Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion, and this is episode 108. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, and be sure to check us out at theloudest.com on the planet, knac.com. I have two guests for this episode, guitarist Nick Miller and drummer Tommy Van Arsdale. They're members of the Chicago Hard Rock Act Dustbiters. Dustbiters released their debut album, Guilt, in August of 2022 independently. They re-released their single, Progeny, complete with a new video on YouTube. So to tell you more about it, here's Nick Miller and Tommy Van Arsdale of Dustbiters. If I knew absolutely nothing about Dustbiters, how would you describe the band's music to me? <laughs> um, my my favorite answer to that is uh, we're the music that's played on the the county fair ride that you have to be a certain height to ride, and the guy is not paying attention when he's buckling you in. Fair enough, Tom. <laughs> do you have another take on that? Yeah, we're we're a nineteen seventy seven Pontiac Firebird in a bag of mushrooms. Well, I see what I'm getting here. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean like the the really i mean like we're we're we, we say that we're post hardcore just because it tends to be a bit of a catch-all um because it is really kind of hard to drill down on a genre for us we can you know in one song we can go from like a technical like you know thrashy kind of riff straight into like punk um i mean and then on our album it goes from like some really like hard rock like driven riffs all the way to like some you know really emo sad sounding like piano and um string songs that we wrote in the studio that's like at the very end so uh post hardcore tends to just encompass like everything that we're doing uh without you know i don't want to say like oh we're a punk band because then you're not going to get what you're expecting with that um but we do have punk elements and we have a lot of songs that have punk riffs in them uh but same thing with like metal i'm not going to tell you that we're you know like this crazy technical super uh, hard super fast metal metal band but when I mean, we have a lot of those kind of riffs uh, but we tend we tend to like really kind of go wherever we want with a song, whatever feels kind of natural to us is what we do. And how did you guys all for- get together to form this band? So me and the singer Nick had been in bands when uh, we were like in our early twenties back in Michigan because he grew up in the small town right next to my small town. So um, we had like similar friends that ran in the same friend circles, and um, he was a bass player in a cool hardcore band. And my band would play with his band. And then eventually we started to uh, play in a band together. Um, our lives kind of went different pathways. He moved to Chicago to pursue hair. I moved to Pittsburgh um, to pursue like piercing. Um, and eventually I, I opened up, um, uh, I co-founded a coffee shop with a friend of mine. And um, I kind of like pursued having like a music venue um, and being in a band was something that I still wanted to do, but you know, when you're trying to get something off the ground, you tend to never have any time to do it. So I just had like a room full of music gear while I, while I was living there. And uh, eventually, you know, like I stayed in contact with Nick because we've always been really close and we've always been very, very good friends. And he told me that he was getting ready to have his third child and getting ready to open up his first barber shop. And you know, like having just opened up a business, I kind of had an idea of how chaotic and crazy and stressful and um just every every hard thing that comes up when trying to do that and especially having your third child uh it was one of those things where you know I was kind of homesick Chicago's closer to my hometown I fell in love with Chicago years in advance so like I was trying to move to Chicago anyways 
I was kind of over being a business owner. Um, so I basically sold off all my ownership, packed everything up and moved to Chicago. And then right before COVID hit, we were out for my birthday, uh, just kind of like talking shit. And, um, you know, I, I just was just like, dude, it'd be really cool if you picked up guitar. Maybe if all we did was like, just write some riffs together, it'd be fun. Like I just missed playing music. And, you know, he had been in a kind of a dark place with his drinking um and so when he decided to quit drinking he put all of his efforts into playing music again and so we started writing and we wrote everything like sitting on my couch and then covid hit so everything shut down so all we had time to do was kind of like hang out and play music um and then that turned into unholy gospel and um creature man which uh when i would go into work and i would see tommy we would sit in talk music and talk about bands and and like you know we would both basically like throw out a really obscure bands at each other and we both be like yeah i love this album and like things like that and it's like okay cool we're friends because clearly we love the same music and he told me about all the bands that he's ever been in and how he was a drummer and a guitar player and a singer and all these different things and i was you know i didn't really know how passionate he was about playing drums i just knew that he could play drums so i asked him if he would sit in on a session because in chicago luckily enough we have we have places where you can rent out rehearsal spaces that come fully furnished with all the gear you could want minus guitars and bass so they had drum sets they had um half stacks and pa systems and all that stuff so we rented out a space for two hours and had him kind of session with us and our personalities kind of all gelled really well we got along really well he was putting beats to our songs like immediately he was uh, making suggestions and you know helping the songs kind of come together a little bit easier um and after we kind of heard how that was kind of working that the songs actually had some uh some substance to them and they were fun to play you know it was kind of like hey do you want to do it again and then it was like maybe we should find a space of our own since I have an apartment filled with a bunch of band gear that I traveled to Chicago with, and I really want to get it out of my apartment. Um, and so like we rented a space and just started writing and eventually like Brian joined the band uh, and he was a guitar player. He started out as an apprentice for our singer, Nick at his barbershop and also similar situation. They talked music, discovered that they have a lot of the same interests. He said, I'll learn, I'll learn the guitar part or I'll learn the bass parts. If you want to teach them to me showed up, we all got along. Now we're all like super great friends. And, that's that's the story of how Dust Spider started writing. Uh, Tom, is there anything you want to add to the story? No, Nick nailed it. I think he's absolutely right. It all started with our mutual love for uh, for music and just discussing bands, albums that inspired us throughout our life. And, and quickly, as he said, just becoming friends opened up that space for us to work together really well creatively in a collaborative environment. The Venn diagrams of all of our influences definitely converge in very specific parts. Um, so we all have mutual love for certain bands like Against Me, Glassjaw, you know, at the drive-in, et cetera. But we all, we all kind of have our own, you know, very particular um, genres and, and bands that mean something to us. So I love the fact that when we get together, we can nerd out about certain things that really made impacts on us. But we always have something new to bring to the table as well. So I, I enjoy that. You guys released your debut album in August of 2022 called Guilt. You've recently released a music video uh, for Progeny, which is a uh, re-release of sorts. Uh, if you want to talk a little bit about the song itself. Yeah, Pro Progeny uh, was the last song that we wrote for the album Guilt. And it happened to be the lead single from the record as well. 
Uh, it's it's a song that we we really um, love playing live. It's a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of energy in it. Kinsley's lyrics talk about sort of many of the encompassing themes on the album, like shame, kind of regret, guilt, forgiveness. Um, it, it really has to do with his kids and, and kind of the story of how his, his children have helped him to overcome some of the struggles that he's had in his life and, and to kind of value being there for them and, and helping them to um, be raised well and, and have a good life and understand um, people make mistakes and can be forgiven. So it's, it's sort of a love letter to them. Um, and a lot of the themes on that song, as I said, permeate throughout the entire album. Uh, the music video, when we were talking about wanting to release one, it made a lot of sense to do it for that song. There's a lot of imagery in, in what he's talking about. So when we were discussing the, the loose concept of it, we thought taking it into this sort of cult leader direction where the cult leader has become totally disengaged from his harem of, of women that absolutely worship him and he's just bored and, and sort of over it, um, but also unable to get past being selfish and narcissistic um, was sort of the, the weird and, and tangential imagery that we wanted to bring in uh, to the lyrics. So um, the music video, again, you know, thanks in large part to our director, Matt Cooley, um, that sort of loose concept we were able to flesh out. Um, and I think it turned out really well. I think it's uh, hopefully people can see sort of the, the transition between like the, the daytime and the nighttime and, and sort of the, the daytime um, like cult ritual versus the nighttime poisoning. But yeah, I think it I think it came together really well. We're very proud of how the, the music video turned out. You have anything to add to that, Nick? No, I mean he kind of got into all of it. The, the one thing that I will say that's kind of like a interesting um trivia fact is that uh the main chorus riff of Progeny is actually a chorus riff that we wrote for Creature Man when we first started the band, um, that just did not fit into the song and we just kind of kept it in our back pockets. And, you know, fast forward six seven songs later and we're working on progeny and we're like i think that maybe we can get that chorus rip in there so it's i mean it, it's really interesting like you know like I, i'm sure you've talked to a lot of musicians and stuff like that but like you know songs and how parts come together and how, how certain things kind of gel it's um it's it's interesting to me that it's one of the riffs that one of the first riffs that we ever wrote wound up being in one of the last songs that we wrote for the record you have other singles out uh, to promote the album. You have the song Lushed Up, if you want to talk a little bit about that song. Sure. Um, that's a song that our singer invented a word for. Uh, <laughs> as much, I mean, like, maybe I'm wrong, but all the research that I looked up, I don't think that there's a past tense version of, of Lush. Uh, but I do kind of like it because it works really well for the song and for the attitude and the emotion that he's trying to convey. Um, but it's very much, you know, like it's, it's a song of him talking about his experience and his behavior when he likes to drink. And um, it's kind of a, it's almost, it, it's almost like a very uh, bittersweet drinking party anthem, you know, like it's something to enjoy and have fun. And, and, and when we perform it live, it's one of the songs that like a lot of the audience really gets into and they love to chant with us. And, and you know, people are, are cheersing and holding their beers up and enjoying, but when you, dig into those lyrics they're they're very sad and, and there's a lot of self-loathing there um and it's also one of my favorite songs to just play live there's a ton of shredding and like fun little fun little fun things to do on, on guitar in that song um and there's a lot of parts for audience participation like chanting and things like that so that's 
it's a song I'm always looking forward to in the set for me. And you just made up a word there too. You said cheersing. So you guys yeah. are rubbing off on each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's a Midwest, like Michigan thing. We just come up with shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, do you want to talk about the other single you have out, uh, Dear Evil? Yeah, Dear Evil's great. So, I mean, Dear Evil is another one of those songs where um, we all sort of just uh, put in our own particular influences on that song. It's It reminds me a lot. There's some parts in there that remind me a lot of like Thin Lizzy and whatnot. I mean, the end of that song is one of my favorites to play live. But I think in general, um, each of these singles definitely say something about um, the album in general. And um, I think our the fact that we picked all four of these to promote the album, they each kind of give a little different perspective of where we're going musically and lyrically. I don't know, Nick, if you want to add anything to that. The the singles, we picked the singles out specifically to, to, to show, well, one, I think that they, they, they're the most like fun songs. I think that like they, they have the catchiest parts on them. So, you know, like they're the things that I think will resonate with the listener and will stay in their heads. Um, but also I think that they do a really good job of, doing a representation of what our music sounds like in general. So um, you pick any of those four singles and you're going to have a good idea of what the rest of the record's going to sound like, except for the the very, very last track. Goddamn guilt is definitely a far departure from the rest of the album, but any of those four tracks and you can definitely get a good assumption of what you're going to hear when you listen to the rest of guilt. I see and hear a lot of, I don't want to call it influence, but a lot of references to uh, religious uh, things such as, you know, um, Unholy Gospel and Pray For Me and Goddamn Guilt and things like that. Uh, is that intentional or just the way that it happened to be? Um, So I think that it's kind of 50-50. I think that it was intentional because um, a lot of those lyrics kind of came from a place of um, things that our singer Nick was dealing with at the time. Um, you know, like he has a lot of issues with trying to figure out how to um, introduce religion in, to his children. Um, and it's, you know, I don't want to go too much into like his personal relationship with his ex and things like that, but you know, like it's, you know, I, I can only put myself in his shoes and speculate, but you know, like I don't, I would obviously want to give my children awareness and understanding of religion, but I think that I would have a really hard time, telling them that it's something that they needed to participate in. Um, You know, and I think that like he kind of has the same thing, but also while trying to respect the parenting style of his ex, um, you know, he's has a very, you know, like rough wall that he's kind of battling in that scenario. Um, And then both me and him kind of grew up dealing with small town mentality, which, you know, like, like religion has a big influence on, on, on hatred and bigotry, especially towards, you know, like, like when it comes to like homophobia and racism and, you know, like all of those things that tend to, you know, make it very hard for people to be accepting towards other people's lifestyles. And, you know, if uh, you look at me, I'm, you know, I'm covered in tattoos and piercings and stretch lobes. And this has been who I am since I was 16 years old. So growing up in a small town, I, you know, like I dealt with a lot of, uh, you know, like weird looks and people talking and my parents dealt with a lot of hearing it from other people's parents and stuff. Um, You know, and I think a lot of that came from religious influence um so you know nick dealt with a lot of that stuff too when he was growing up and we watch we watch you know our hometowns do these crazy things that you know that we're like you're just you're embarrassed when you see people hang certain banners that are like homophobic or 
racists and you're just like that's happening in our downtown like really um and so i think that there's a point of contention for both me and nick uh towards that kind of stuff so it's it's fun for us to pick on religion and it's fun to uh highlight um things that are obviously like really kind of gross in the organizations and stuff like that and you know it's 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 almost almost low-hanging fruit you know what i mean like it's almost like too easy to kind of like pick out the pick on on religion a little bit but it's also um i think it's i think it's important to have you know some points of frustration and anger in this kind of music you know like you want to have something to to allow people to rally with you you know behind you um and to get on board with and i think that you know in 2023 there's a lot of people that are frustrated with with where religion is and and how involved it is in politics in our lives and stuff like that and in in the negative sense we've lost a lot of the positive sense um but yeah that's that's you know like and then again like i can really only kind of regurgitate and speculate some of the things that i've heard nick talk about when it comes to his perspective on that kind of stuff but um you know like that's one of the reasons why i think that we have some of those themes in in the songs and you know as we move into this newer music I'm I'm seeing it less and less in in Nick's lyrics because I feel like maybe he said what he's wanted to say wanted to say about it, but you never know. Like uh, some crazy controversial story might come up and you might hear about it from us again. You guys brought in producer Alex Lackner from Lazarus AD, uh, recorded at Accelerate from Accelerated Sound. Uh, what did he bring to the table for the band? Alex was great to work with. He was, you know, he's a very great musician in his own right. So having someone in the studio that was working with us hand in glove on making the sounds that we heard in our heads translate onto the record. And he was the perfect person for us. He understood us um, as people. He understood us as musicians and, and as a group. And so working with him was, was an absolute pleasure. I mean, we would be in a room as, you know, fans do to record an album for hours. And he just was calm, cool and collected and, very calculated, had ideas himself that he brought to the table. So he really was not just an engineer, but but a producer um, and helped us to kind of work past some things that that we needed help with um, and bring again to light some of the life that we were we knew that we wanted to translate, but didn't know necessarily how to um, get it out into the recordings. So it was a great, great time working with him, um, specifically, as Nick was mentioning, the last song in the album goddamn guilt that whole song was an absolute process to put together and having him in the engineering seat as a musician with active listening uh, was was critical to i think the success of that song on the album and, and it despite the fact that it doesn't sound like any other song on the album it, it is one of my my favorites and people love when we play it live even though it doesn't sound anything like how it sounds um, recorded on the album uh so he was he was an absolute delight I, I so like I, I I don't have like a ton of you know experience being in a studio, um, in a professional sense. Like usually, most of the recordings I've been a part of have been, um, you know, basement recordings or demos or things like that. But the the handful of experiences that I have working with somebody in a professional sense, um, you either have a engineer or producer that you know can be a little um, he can ride you a little too hard, expecting you to you know, you know, nail, nail parts in one and, you know, like in a full take and things like that. 
where Alex was, you know, very, very encouraging and, and very, very supportive through the whole recording process where, you know, like, even if, even if we nailed a take, like just absolutely nailed it, you know, he'd be like, you know, like, I really like what you did right there. You know, like everything came through really well. It's good that we have one in the can, but I, you know, like, let's try and see if we can get it to feel a little bit more natural or like, let's see if we can get another really good take just so that way I have it. Um, you know, and he would just sit there and kind of support, support you through the process and making sure that, you know, you never felt bad about wait, like, you know, I, cause I constantly felt like, I'm like, I'm sorry if I'm like wasting the day. And he was just like, any time that we're spending recording is not wasted, you know, like, don't worry. He's like, we're here to get, we're here to capture the band and make sure everything sounds great. He's like, and I'm not leaving the room until we did it until we do that. Um, so you very, you kind of felt like you were on a team, you know, like you were, you were both trying to accomplish the same goal and it did not feel like, uh, you know, like I was, um, the musician for hire working with an engineer trying to like just get something out of me uh, it felt like you know, and I think that was one of the reasons why we really wanted to work with him is because he had the same perspective and energy towards just wanting to make sure that the band is captured correctly because it is a very unique sound and it's very weird and we we play with very aggressive tones um, and so there's a lot of uh, uh, challenging mixes uh, for him, for sure. So I'm really glad that he spent the time that he did on making sure that we we got everything captured correctly. Otherwise, I I think that that record could have came out very uh, very messy and uh, hard to understand, and um, it would not have translated the same. Part of the album release back in August, a couple of local businesses uh, supported the band. You guys had your own burger at Kuma's Corner, and you had your own beer at uh, Metal Monkey metal monkey brewing uh how did those deals come together i assume you guys have some ties to these businesses <laughs> um we do yes um so I'll, I'll touch on the kumas one real fast uh so um just to be fully transparent i do communications and marketing for kumas corner uh tommy he is the general manager for our west Loop location um now that, that being said uh we did not actually solicit the company to do the burger obviously we had talked like oh man it'd be really cool to do a dust fighter burger um, but we absolutely were aware of our status as a band, you know, like we were, we we're new. Um, we had a lot of, uh, um, dues to pay and things to accomplish and, and to get our name out there. But, uh, our, our coworkers are extremely supportive. Um, you know, you go into our West Loop location and on any day given of the week, there's somebody working front of house or back of house, probably wearing a dust fighter shirt. Like our, our, our coworkers and our friends are, are really, really great. And they're super supportive. And the, the director of operations actually came to us and asked us if we wanted to do the burger. So um, for people that are probably making the assumption that of course we got a burger at Kuma's Corner because we work there. Um, while that did help, it definitely opened the door. Um, it was brought to us and suggested an offer to us, not not the other way around. But yeah, and then uh, the, the, the brewery was a place that we had worked with like loosely. So um, I was aware of them because they book metal shows and they work with a lot of metal bands. Um, so I was aware of them. And we had done a collaboration with another band and they had done a beer for them. And through that, we wound up talking to them about booking their venue. And while we played the day that we were out there playing the venue, you know, we kind of like brought it up loosely, like, oh, we'd love to do a beer sometime. Maybe we can talk about doing it when, you know, we're releasing the record. Um, and they were very receptive and really nice about it. And again, like they're very, very like supportive of the metal scene and metal bands in general. And they love to work with bands they saw it as like a really cool opportunity to, you know, again, support another cool band in the area. Um, fast forward a couple months and we started talking out some ideas. Um, they really loved the, the, the concept and the idea. Uh, the other thing that we did was, 
you know, we use the, the 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 actual physical release of the cans as a way to sell our record. So when you bought the can, like a four pack, it came with a digital copy of the record. And that was a lot of fun to do. So, yeah, I mean, like all of that kind of worked out and then we just timed it really, really well. So it was like the, the album would drop, the burger would come out, the beer would be in the stores. Uh, so if, if you walked into Akuma's, you could actually have like a Dust Biters beer with your Dust Biters burger. Um, and so it's just, it's just very kind of cool to have all that synchronicity and have everything kind of working together. It's certainly a, a different kind of beer. Uh, a sour goes with habanero and pineapple. It's, I would say it's about as diverse as your music. <laughs> and you know what? It was, it's delicious. It's one of my favorite beers I've ever had. I loved it. Um, and it's, a, I think it was 4.5% alcohol. So it's one of those things that you could like sit out on the patio and like drink all day and not, you know, be blackout hammered by the end of the day. <laughs> do you guys just play locally in the Chicago area or do you have plans and aspirations to go national? We were lucky enough to do a small tour in support of the release of guilt. So that took us to Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Um, and we had an absolute blast. I mean, like I said, at the top of the interview, just hanging out with these guys is the most fun. I mean, we're just, we're all great friends and our sense of humor, you know, we, we could go on the road forever and keep ourselves entertained, you know, and then, Oh, actually we have to play a show tonight. You know, it's just a bonus is we get to go on stage and do what we love to do the most. Um, so we'd absolutely love to tour um, again, spring, summer, fall's coming up. So looking at some opportunities there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being on the road, exploring different cities, making new fans, making new friends in different bands that we share the bills with, getting to explore different venues is is an absolute joy. It's something that we all love to do. So, yeah, definitely look out on our website and uh, in social media for upcoming tour dates outside of Illinois. Are either of you in any other bands or is Dust Biters it? There seems to be a lot of people that have their hands in different kinds of music and bands just to kind of stay busy. I don't think I'd have the time. Um, I'm so busy as it is. It's it's I mean, being in a band and being a musician is my favorite thing to do in the entire world. And it's it's very difficult to find um, the time to do it as often as we need to. I mean, I wish that we could rehearse two to three times a week, but the most that we can do is, you know, once a week. And then occasionally we can squeeze in like a second rehearsal for preparing for a performance. Um, but, you know, it's not like back in the day when I was in my teens and in twenties, I could blow off work and, you know, like just go and crash on my buddy's couch and we could rehearse that all day, every day, drinking beer and, you know, and like not, not caring about responsibilities and, and stuff. But, you know, I have, a, I have a very demanding job and a lot of people relying on me to make money. So I have to make sure that I'm giving my job my, my hundred percent. And then my band is 99.9% behind that and doesn't leave a lot of room for any other bands. <laughs> that being said, though, I think in our downtime, if we have downtime, we just practice music. So it's still enjoyable. It's still a hobby, a passion, you know, in addition to the band. There's a lot of business elements to the band that are that are stressful. You know, most of it is not playing music. Most of it is social media and, and doing interviews and whatnot. But for us, you know, playing music, writing music, spending time together is is the joy. So if we could do it more, we would. Who came up with the name Dust Biters? What inspired it? Um, so I, I came up with it a long, a long time ago. It's been um, a band name that's been in my back pocket for a while. Uh, I kept it to myself. I have a bad habit of coming up with ideas and then sharing them with people. So this this was one that I was just like, if I get it out there, somebody's going to start a band or something with it. That night that we were out for my birthday and I was kind of trying to talk Nick into playing music with me again. Um, you know, I told him I already had a band name and I pitched it to him and he loved it. 
uh, it was inspired by a Queen song, um, you know, another one by Sadust. And I just was really kind of obsessed with, you know, like who are those people? Who are the the people that bit the dust? You know, like another one by Sadust. It's like, okay, well, who are these perpetual losers? You know, like that fail at every attempt to try to, you know, win. Um, you know, like who are the, the like those those you know super tough badasses that in the Roadhouse movie that show up to you know, have fun and drink and then they get their ass beat. You know, like, it's like, like, I, I don't know. I just, I love that concept. And it was just something that always kind of stuck in my head. And, you know, I pitched the idea to to Nick and he loved it as well. Um, and I think that everybody else in the band was just like, it's hard enough to come up with a good band name, you know, let alone something that has a good concept that people can relate to and understand where the, like, the meaning came from. So I think that it was just kind of like, rather than going to a whiteboard and listing out a bunch of different band names and trying things out. Um, I think it was like, eh, it's good enough. Let's go with that and see how people go with it. And we've gotten a lot of good compliments and people tend to really like the band name. So sticking with it. You hinted at it earlier. Are you guys working on new music for the next album? Yes. So we've got four songs right now that we are working to demo. One of them we've actually had the opportunity to play out live. Uh, we played a show at Beat Kitchen or Forever Death Fest a couple weeks ago. And then the following night, up in Grand Rapids at Pyramid Scheme. And we debuted one of those new songs, Bittersweet. And uh, it was an absolute, absolute blast. Got some good reception from that. So that, in addition to three others, we're really excited about these songs. They are so much fun to play. They're, we said to ourselves, let's write simple music, straightforward rock and roll music. We have done the antithesis of that. We have gone bonkers, which is totally fine. It's a blast. So these four songs we're looking forward to hopefully demoing and, and maybe shopping around and seeing if anyone wants us, uh, wants to help us, you know, go to the studio and, and actually lay these down in a professional setting. But that's that's what's up next, whether that be an EP uh, with these four songs or you know a series of singles. Um, our goal is to get these down and, and to keep working on new material. We also have developed um, our next music video concept. Um, so now it's just going to be uh, finding um the time to film it and getting all the, all the right people on board. But um, we have some really cool people attached to the idea right now. So, you know, hopefully we'll have a new music video out, uh, you know, come like summer, fall um, this year too, as well. Well, those are all the questions I have for you, Nick and Tom. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Your current album is guilt. It's out now uh streaming and people can get it physical i assume as well and um i learned a lot about dust biters today and i hope that the listeners did too all our physical all our physical music is available on dustbitersband.com we have a store on there we have a seven inch that have the four singles on it um we have cassette tapes that are in red and black for collectors um obviously we have cds everything's available on bandcamp spotify all of like the major platforms Dust Fighters official for our Instagram. Um, I, I mean, like, obviously, you know, we want people to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and we're active on both of those, but we're primarily mostly active on our Instagram. Um, so find us there, and uh, you'll 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 have all the up to date info for all of that stuff. Um, we should be releasing um, so progeny. We we actually like seeked out an artist to do new artwork just for that single. Um, so we should be releasing some cool merch around that stuff here soon and slowly putting that together. So we'll, we'll have like a drop for that, um, soon. So if anybody watches that and you're not following us, go follow us on Instagram because we're going to be releasing all that artwork as merch and stuff soon. 
All right, guys, once again, thanks again. Best of luck with everything. And hopefully I'll see you make your way to the East Coast one day. Absolutely. Thank you. We'd love that. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank Nick Miller and Tommy Van Arsdale of Dust Biters for coming on the Rock is George podcast. Be sure to check out their latest album, Guilt, out now. Head over to your favorite music streaming app. Take a listen to the new album. If you like what you hear, buy a physical copy. Support the artist. For all things Dust Biters, head to their official website, dustbitersband.com. I also want to thank Barbara Papa George of Pavement Entertainment for making this interview possible. You've been great. I've been George Dion. I'll see you again soon.